Chapter Nine of Armand Durand by Rosanna Le Proin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The next day, Belfond called to see him, and they had an hour's pleasant talk in the neat little room, which, despite its rag carpet, whitewashed walls, and country-made chairs, was very comfortable a couple of pretty bright-coloured mats and a daintily fashioned pen-wiper evidently the work of feminine fingers were on the little table and the visitor took them up saying my sister eliza has just given me some trifles like these how do you come to have any you have no sister or cousin have you none now that i think of it this is the first time that i've seen these dainty nothings here surely your fat motherly hostess has something else to do than pass her time in preparing romantic surprises for you in the shape of ornamental needlework queried belfond amused by his own conjecture it can scarcely be her it must be miss de lima lorrain a cousin of hers who is staying here just now helping with the house sewing oh we are coming to it at last friend armand though in a roundabout sort of way laughed belfond now i'll wager what you will that the maker of these mats is young and pretty i believe she's both though i've scarcely looked at or spoken to her ten times since she has been in the house answered armand with a slight shade of weariness in his tones for he looked on the matter as too uninteresting even for jesting belfond with well-bred tact abandoned the subject seeing it was distasteful and spoke of past college life politics and whatever other topic presented itself after a time he approached a window overlooking the little garden which despite the brilliant colouring of october foliage appeared bleak enough suddenly he uttered a low whistle of astonishment and eagerly exclaimed tell me armand who is that fairy princess that angel in the alley there i never saw such a lovely face that is the cousin miss de lima well you are either a very sly or a very obtuse sort of fellow and belfond turned a sharp scrutinizing glance upon his companion why that girl is absolutely beautiful and her carriage and dress as graceful as those of any of the womankind at mr de courval's the other night not excepting the peerless gertrude herself Pshaw! laughed armand you are bent on making discoveries to-day in whose correctness however no one will coincide belfond eyed him still more closely if i were speaking he said to de montenay or some others that i know i would unhesitatingly assert that all this indifference of yours was sham but i have always found you so straightforward that i really believe in your astonishing blindness but she is coming nearer heavens what a beauty how is it armand that you have not fallen in love with her i am three-quarters gone already then you need fear no rival in me was the gay reply i do not intend sacrificing one moment of the time belonging to those dry shelves and he pointed to a small bookcase filled chiefly with law-books to all miss de lima's charms but are you going yes i've been here more than an hour come and take a turn with me in town we'll be just in time to join the usual band of plein airs. 
armand was soon ready and as the two young men passed through the little passage on their way out they met the pretty delima entering from the garden durand was passing her as usual with a courteous bow when she timidly stopped him to say that a parcel and letter from the country had just arrived for him and if he wished it she would give them to him at once yes yes armand there's no hurry for our stroll look at parcel and letter you must long to know how they all are at home perhaps the gentleman had better sit down in here for a moment and as she spoke the young girl led the way into the little drawing-room on a table near the geraniums was a pile of calico and cotton with a small mat in process of fabrication like those adorning armand's room leaving little doubt as to the donor belfond got up on a pretence of examining the window plants and of inhaling their fragrance but in reality he kept a close watch on delima as she gave his friend the package and handed him her tiny scissors to sever the cords without waiting to give more than a passing glance to the contents which consisted apparently of wearing apparel he broke the seal of the letter and ran over it good news they are all well how is paul questioned belfond couldn't be better he says he pities me profoundly and thinks if he were in my place he would run away at once but i'm all ready now thank you he politely but carelessly added as delima offered to have his possessions put immediately in his own room i'll see to it myself when i return and he and belfond went out together i have just made another discovery said the latter in a graver tone than he had yet employed yes well friend rodolphe you are in a lucky vein this morning tell it please it is this though you don't seem to care about that lovely little girl she certainly cares a good deal about you this supposition both surprised and startled armand and his face flushed nothing of the sort he hastily rejoined as i have already told you we have scarcely exchanged a dozen words together that may be but i do not think my opinion the less correct in consequence i was looking at her instead of the geraniums all the time and she certainly is not as granite-hearted as yourself but i see you would rather change the subject so now for a saunter down notre dame street that evening as armand took his seat at the tea-table he looked for the first time with interest at delima a natural result of the extravagant praises bestowed on her by his friend as well as of the hints thrown out regarding her partiality for himself she was in her usual place presiding over a smoking dish of some palatable ragout for the martels like many canadian families partook of meat three times a day she never raised her eyes when he entered and as mrs martel was busy with her tray and her husband with cutting the substantial brown loaf gracing his corner of the board armand had ample opportunity of studying her face unobserved was she really as beautiful as belfond had said he looked closely at the small regular features the long silken lashes the delicately cut oval face and inwardly acknowledged with something like surprise at his own blindness that she was suddenly she raised her eyes to his proffering some of the contents of the dish before her 
but meeting his earnest gaze her own drooped and a soft flush overspread her cheek remembering belfond's second discovery which this embarrassment served in some degree to corroborate a feeling of natural vanity mingled with the interest her beauty excited in armand's breast but on mrs martel's asking if the news he had received from home had been favorable his thoughts instantly reverted to the family circle there and delima was for the time forgotten for some time after this nothing of import happened to our hero he prosecuted his law studies with the same success with which he had done those of college winning opinions from mr la haise as favorable as those he had previously done from his professors his life though regular and quiet was by no means dull or lonely and he was often invited out in families occupying a high social position where the presence of refined accomplished women formed an atmosphere most attractive to him despite his timidity to mr de courval's notwithstanding that he was pressingly invited by the latter he rarely went for though gertrude was kind and polite mrs de beauvoir's reception of him was so frigid that inexperienced as he was in feminine ways he could not mistake her hostile feelings towards him on the few occasions that he encountered de montenay the latter made no advances and his reserve was faithfully copied by armand a cold nod when they met being the only remaining token of what had once been a warm friendship belfond often dropped in to see him occasionally bringing a friend as light-hearted as himself armand never offered them any other refreshments than canadian tobacco for it must be acknowledged that all these young men smoked and a glass of cider or ale with occasionally a plate of rosy fameuse apples or crisp crullers dainties constantly sent him from home by his aunt Rattel. and belfond accustomed as he was to a table spread with every luxury enjoyed these impromptu feasts with a zest equal to any he had displayed in his hungry college days one evening that he had brought with him a gentlemanly young fellow a law student and that all three were discussing amid puffs of narcotic smoke the politics of the day condemning the tyranny of the imperial government and the blindness of their own rulers and settling the affairs of europe with wonderful celerity if not wisdom a visitor for mr durand was announced and looming large in the small room paul made his appearance of course there was a cordial exchange of civilities a rapid fire of questions and answers about home the country the roads and then the newcomer was provided with a pipe and smoking recommenced with vigor but the conversation did not flow as freely as before paul's mind was of a stamp far inferior to that of his companions and this difference was rendered still more marked by a certain rusticity of manner and language which he had actually been at some pains to acquire when he had settled down at allonville on leaving college as this gradually became more evident to him he grew taciturn and listened with a sort of moody preoccupation to the keen polished sallies the witty retorts of his companions varying the occupation by stealthily contrasting their white slender hands 
with his own embrowned ones and their easy graceful motions with his own stiff constrained movements at length the other guests took leave and the brothers were left alone eh bien ejaculated paul you are not so much to be pitied as i once thought you were the entre you are very comfortable here and quite the fine gentleman without noticing the ugly sneer with which the latter words were uttered armand rejoined you forget that i am shut up during a great part of the day in a dingy office dungeon to use your own words a dungeon that perhaps you see very little of retorted paul when a fellow hates a place he can easily keep away from it but paul i do no such thing earnestly answered the other i do not shirk my law studies any more than i did my college ones oh you needn't begin bragging about them now i am sure we have all heard enough of the subject between my father and la tante francoise i have had a perfect sickening of it but to change the topic here is a letter from father with something better than mere words of advice in it as i guessed he added on armand's opening the epistle and finding a couple of banknotes inside whilst the latter perused his letter smilingly dwelling on the pleasant words of affection it contained paul lay moodily back in his chair watching the unconscious reader with a lowering brow he silently compared the rough unfashionable cut and texture of his own homespun suit which he had ordered so complacently from the village tailor with the plain but well-made clothes armand wore his well-trained well-brushed glossy hair with his own rough uncared-for locks and the little signs of refinement on the simple dressing-table which whilst he sneered at them excited nevertheless his vexation the sad truth was that the spirit of unworthy jealousy which had for years past smouldered in paul's breast towards his elder brother was beginning to assume a more definite character and was developing itself under the new tide of reflections and thoughts flowing in upon him with startling rapidity the constant flattering mention of armand at home from a father and aunt both exceedingly proud of his talents the frequent remittances sent him though in this respect paul had no cause for jealousy for durand was strictly impartial in all pecuniary matters and lastly the wide difference he now plainly saw for the first time not only between himself and his refined gentleman brother but also that brother's associates fanned the feeling of envy into active life paul what are you thinking of questioned armand as he folded up his letter and placed it and the enclosure in his stout leather pocket-book of how easily you win your daily bread well all things have a beginning you know of course i can make nothing now but when i shall have passed my examination and fairly entered the field matters will be wonderfully different words are cheap said paul grimly and so are sneers though they are not the more agreeable for that retorted the other beginning to feel nettled at his companion's persistent ill-humour oh you must overlook the plain speaking or boorishness as i suppose you would call it of a rough farmer like myself 
was paul's ironical reply i have not the advantages of town polish what are you driving at paul speak out your thoughts like a man can't you well it is this here are you dressed en grand seigneur waited on like one entertaining the aristocracy receiving money i suppose when you choose to ask for it and what do you do for all this i on the other hand with no such pretensions or expenses am up every morning before five tramping over the farm in all weathers and roads out drudging working under burning sun or chilling rain your own choice so you need not quarrel with it how decidedly did you proclaim on your last return from college that you would be no bookworm no galley-slave chained to a musty desk but would choose a farmer's free independent life father would willingly have given you a profession if you had asked him no one of that calling in a family is quite enough there must be some one to look after the bread and butter of the others or they might come to know hunger pooh pooh brother paul answered armand with a good-humoured laugh through which however pierced a shade of annoyance our father can do all that for years to come as he has done it in the past be honest now as you were in the old college days when you used to tell us you would rather be a farmer tramping in heavy boots through muddy fields and ditches than the governor in his chair of state oh bother was the illogical reply tisn't fair to cast up in a fellow's face things he may happen to have said years ago but paul it is not too late yet to retract your choice on your return speak to father i know you will soon gain him round to your wishes and before two months from this you can be settled down law or medical student whichever suits you best and share my room here which seems to have so highly excited your grumbling admiration there's no particular hurry in the case that i know of was the dry rejoinder besides sending monthly remittances to two might require a little study of ways and means on father's part first let us leave the subject then before we quarrel over it i will go and ask mrs martel if she can spare me a pillow and blankets to-night and you can turn into my bed no i must go back to the three kings where i've left my horse if you offer me supper though i won't refuse it willingly that was included in my offer of a bed armand then went to inform his landlady of the unexpected addition to the supper-table and having received her friendly assurance of satisfaction thereat returned to paul who beginning to feel ashamed of his late querulous ill-humour made an effort to be somewhat more agreeable Delima lorrain was at supper and the new guest seemed almost as much struck with her beauty as belfond had been he was very civil in his own abrupt way offering this proffering that and on the return of the brothers to the bedroom he fairly overwhelmed armand with questions as to who she was whence she had come how long she would stay plain jokes and hints as to such charms being enough to reconcile a man to dungeons darker than law offices and allusions to the complete silence armand had maintained on the very existence of a person who without doubt gave occupation enough to his thoughts proved still more unpalatable to the young host than the cross-questioning had done and at length he said 
do for mercy's sake try for another subject a little more amusing than one that bores me so immensely i heartily wish little delima were back in st laurent again for she brings down on my devoted head an insufferable amount of poor jokes and wearisome questions inwardly setting down this speech as meaning the reverse of what armand really felt especially as the latter owing to some chance remembrance of gertrude de beauvoir had colored two or three times during the conversation paul abandoned the subject and found one more satisfactory to his companion in recounting the changes that had taken place of late in alonville who constituted the village choir who had been appointed church warden inspector of roads and other offices it was rather late when the brothers separated for the night but though paul's rest was generally profound and sleep a visitor that came with little solicitation it was long that night before slumber closed his lids and he tossed and tumbled on his couch alternating between jealous feelings towards his brother and half-regrets that his own peculiar tastes and temperament would prevent him following the profession of a gentleman hang it no he muttered with an impatient plunge on his pillow nature neither made nor intended me for a smirking town fop so let me be off with the dawn i hate this place End of chapter 9